Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is the all-new all-ball, all-basketball, all-the-time. This one's a really good one. Ron Baker, superstar, all-American, all-solar system at Wichita State, the Final Four the perfect season, the sweet 16, but also he was there for, you know, five years with Greg Marshall. And I, I, he's got an interesting perspective. He said some things I did not know he would say, and uh, he wanted a chance to kind of clear the air and give his thoughts on what really happened and where he is mentally and emotionally with his basketball program. Really, really interesting stuff. So, do we want to get to the NBA draft? Yes. Yes. And I'll do a pod. We'll get to every pick, literally every pick. Ones I like, ones I don't like, and what you can expect. Um, then we'll get to NBA free agency. Lakers doing quite well. I don't think the Clippers are bad or anything. I just, I still think there's some adjustments they need to make. And maybe we learned something about what they thought was wrong with Montrez Harrell going down the hallway, but we'll see. I'm not as big on Portland as other people are. Um, I get the Gordon Hayward thing, but I, you're also not signing up for winning. You're signing up for more money. Uh, that part is interesting. 
So we can talk some NBA on a different pod. We can also talk college basketball, which is supposed to get underway today, the day of which this pod drops. But there's so many cancellations that does it really, really make sense for me to break down every team? Not yet. We will. Well, I, me like you, I'll watch a ton of hoop. I'll give you all my thoughts and uh, some trends, and we'll continue, we'll continue to have outstanding podcasts. But I, I want to talk about this one with Ron Baker, who I got a chance to meet along his journey, and his basketball journey appears to have come to an end. So let's get after it. This is Wichita State star guard, of course, formerly of the Knicks and the Wizards, and of Seska Moscow, Ron Baker. All right, let's welcome him in. He's the legend, not just of uh, Scott City, Kansas, but also uh, in Wichita and uh, in New York <laughs> and in Moscow. He's the one and only Ron Baker. Um, okay, let's start at the beginning because I was there uh, when we, we first met was in Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City, and yeah. I remember um, you guys were getting ready to take on Pittsburgh in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Okay. And uh, you hadn't played the whole season because you were hurt part of your freshman year. I was right. talking with Greg Marshall and he was like, man, I'm telling you like this guy, we had no idea he was going to be this good. Growing up in Scott city. What was, I know you're, you're a great football player. Did you play baseball as well? Football and baseball. Actually a baseball family. My brother plays college baseball down the road here at Emporia state. And my dad played college baseball at Fort Hayes state. Mom played college softball. So some people would say I'm the outlier. I, I, I messed everything up. Maybe, Maybe you're just actually an athletic family. Yeah. So yeah, that could did be you play, it. and then in high school, okay. So growing up, like, you know, I grew up, we had youth teams and then it became travel basketball. And yeah. then, it, you know, at the end uh, it was AU basketball, but not like it is now. Sure. Growing, uh, growing up, was it a rec team? Like how did you, how'd you play basketball growing up? Elementary was all rec based. Didn't travel a whole lot. If we traveled, it was mainly during the winter. And we had a thing called MAYB, which was like similar, maybe on a smaller spectrum compared to like an AAU. So you'd, you know, go to like a Saturday in the winter to a local town and play against, you know, four or five teams. That's basically. And then once you get into middle school, you start playing your middle school sports. But yeah, I was a three sport athlete. And then were you, were you big growing up? Were like, were you always, I mean, you're like, you're, you're a big, you're a big dude. So were you like the biggest kid in the court? No, 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 no. I was five, eight, a buck 40 my freshman year in high school. One of those late bloomers. I think I grew probably four inches my junior year. And that's why I didn't play AAU because I thought I was going to play baseball. I mean, when you're six foot, you're thinking throw, you're, you know, thinking baseball. But once I got into, the AAU circuit that junior summer going to be senior. That's when I focused maybe on basketball, but never. What, what, never, what never position in baseball? Shortstop pitcher. Of course. Of course. Right. Small town. Yeah. Right. Everyone's top right. of the lineup or or a cleanup guy. Uh, batted mainly three or four hole. Yeah. Yeah. You, you drop bombs. I mean, you just cry. Were you? Yeah, I hit a couple, hit a couple in my day. Nothing, nothing to, you know, hang your hat on. And then football, you're a really good quarterback. I mean, back free safety. Yep. Which did you enjoy better? I mean, quarterback or free safety? Offense is always, I would say, more fun. But yeah, but free safety, you get to lay people out. Free safety, that's that's where I was probably my best at. Because as a free safety, it's kind of the same role as your quarterback. You see everything and 
you're communicating the most. And I, I really enjoyed free safety. Probably a little more than quarterback, actually, because you see, see everything. Yeah. See, you still, we started this 30 seconds ago. It was quarterback because it's yeah. offense. And they're like, yeah, the you know you I kind of like, huh? The more you think about it, free safety, yeah. too bad. Now, didn't you throw like a game-winning touchdown pass in your last game? Not the last game. No, that was that was a that was a routing by Smith Center. If you look them up, they're usually pretty good at football. But uh, no, no last-second TDs in in my career. Um, you might be talking about high school basketball. Yeah. Oh, high school basketball. Game-winning, game-winning putback. Yeah, the state in, championship. Where was the state championship? Hutch. You know, Hutch, junior college. that's where all the, you know, yeah, the junior college there where they have the national Juco tournament every season. So at, at what point, at what point in your, when you start playing the AU circuit, did you start to try and figure out what you wanted to do and where you wanted to go? My first AAU game was against the St. Louis Eagles. I'm sure you've heard of Ben McLemore and Bradley Beal. That was kind of an eye opener, leaving Western Kansas and going against those two. But once I started getting confident that summer and playing against that type of player, having good games, I think I just kind of dragged me to, you know, dedicating myself to basketball. That was kind of, it was more mental. Like you can be good at something, but once you actually taste that success confidence, then it starts to drag you in that direction. And that's when I, that summer is kind of when I definitely made a decision like, Hey, mom, dad, basketball's, what we're going to do. So let's focus what, more. What they say? They just wanted, they just wanted to, me to be who I was and be myself. And I felt basketball was where I was leaning towards. So um, what's the real story behind the Wichita state thing, right? It was because how Greg mm. pitched it to us back then was, Hey, we don't have a scholarship, but yeah. <clears throat> you come walk on for a year and then, you know, five for four, which they, you registered right. and they put you on scholarship for, for four. What, what was, what was the actual conversations like and how did it come to be? So Chris Jans was the guy that recruited me, the head coach at Michigan or uh, Michigan state at uh, New Mexico. Michigan state. state. Yeah. Um, he had actually come and watched me at Hutch play in the state tournament. And then Marshall came with him to the state final and they were, you know, big fans of mine. Uh, coach Marshall's, father-in-law was actually the one that was pitching me the most. He was such a big fan of me. He was, you know, telling these two coaches like, Hey, this guy, we get, you know, we got to get him in here. They'd already maxed their scholarships, scholarships out. Cause this is, I'm a senior and this is first week of March. Right. So, I mean, everyone's pretty much committed or already given out their scholarships. Uh, South Dakota state, Arkansas, Little Rock had already offered. And I was, you know, wanted to stay more close to home. Uh, came on a visit here, unofficial. Pretty much cut and dry. They kept it 100 with me. They said, you know, we've already dished out our 12 scholarships, 13 scholarships, whatever it is. And, you know, we'll need you to pay your way this first year. Like, it is what it is. We don't have any scholarships, obviously, but we want you to be here. And I remember my parents being with me on my visit, and they – just adored those two guys, Jans and Marshall, and just how they treated them. Really enjoyed the process of being on a you know Division One campus that's in your state and going through Coke Arena, enjoying the visit, and it just felt just felt natural. I remember on the ride home, I told my dad, I was like, "Man, 
I want to do two things when I'm in college. One, I want Bob Knight to know who I am. Two, I want to, you know, make a run in the NCAA tournament. And we got about halfway down the highway, and he's like, all right, you're going to Wichita State. And I was like, yeah, feels right. And that was it. Cut and simple. Why Why'd you want Bob Knight to know your name? Because he was on TV at the time? I just, it was like right when Bob Knight had shifted and started calling like the big Monday games in the Big 12. Yeah. And uh, just really enjoyed, you know, listening to him. Obviously, historical coach. Just really kind of enjoyed the, you know, the sound of his voice calling games and was always just a fan. How long is that drive? A little under four hours. To talk about tough, tough weeknights for the folks being school teachers. Yeah. Man. They made yeah. everyone? Two three, two, three in the morning. I think they missed one game in my four years that I played. Because it was. Did they the, come. So your freshman year, you redshirt, right? right. Yeah. Did they, did they come to the games even though you redshirted? Yeah, I came to a couple games. You know, the, the, the major games, you know, Creighton at home, a couple non-conference games, but not, not regularly like they did those next four years. What was that like for your redshirt? The redshirt year was, it was tough because we had six or seven seniors, I think on that team. So, I mean, I was getting bullied every day, turning it over, questioning like, man, is this for me, like every, every athlete, when they make the jump from you know high school to college, I feel like unless you're, you know, McDonald's all American, you go through a, a somewhat of a struggle. Even McDonald's is all Americans. I'm like, right. look, I was not a McDonald's, but I was the all. I was you know, like slightly below, right? Yeah. And I'm just telling you, like, I got my ass kicked every day. In practice. Like, <laughs> we had we had like six guards that, I mean, probably four or five of them were pros the next year and still are pros. So I mean, we had a really good team that year. Lost an NCAA tournament to VCU first round. So I mean, great learning experience. Like, I never thought playing a sport, you obviously learn a ton, but when you get a watch, all the time. And you're, you're, you know, the student of the game. Like you really can really dive in and learn a lot. I would say the most I ever learned. So when I, when I, I went to Notre Dame and when I sat, I sat out a year at junior college and like the irony too was I wasn't even considering Oklahoma state, but the Suttons, my dad had worked for coach Sutton at Creighton, like back in the sixties. Mm-hmm. So Sean called me cause he sat out for a year and didn't go anywhere either. So I didn't go anywhere. I went to junior college and I practiced with the junior college team, but didn't play. And then I uh, actually helped, I coached some during games and then I helped out my high school some. And, uh, but Sean had said like, you should watch games and watch them now. And after you played college basketball for a year and it's a completely different experience. Really opens your mind up. Yeah. You're just like, Oh shit, that wasn't supposed to happen. Right. Exactly. And so uh, I, and then after playing, uh, I played overseas for a couple years. I did actually did a couple games, but my first year calling games for ESPN, I remember doing some games and thinking to myself, God, I wish I did this when I played. And then I went back and played in France after, uh, after championship week. This is in 2003. And I remember, or 2002, uh, 2003. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is crazy how much easier it is. Cause you see things. <laughs> Like now you played for four years, you think, you think the play professionally floor, and you see him, you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. That you feel like the floor doubles in size. Yes. Yes. Think- you know where everything's supposed to be. It slows down. Yeah. Okay. So you start to play your freshman year and you're good. Your team again, 
pretty talented, really talented. Um, and when you when you broke your foot, did, was it just sore? Was it swollen? It was like eight. I'm gonna say like 18 games in during conference play. How did you know you broke your foot? So we the tricky thing of this it was the tenth game in. We just lost at Tennessee, and to get a medical red shirt, I think that was the number that you couldn't play, right? So that's part of the story of why I tried to, you know, make a comeback that season. I had a stress reaction in my navicular. Worst, worst bone in your foot, they say, at least from the doctor's perspective, that you want to injure. It has like the least amount of blood flow in your foot. So I'm getting all this information. I'm like, man, I just sat out an entire year last year. And now you're telling me I got to sit out another, you know, 12 weeks. And just as a 20-year-old, you're just like obviously disappointed, but trying to, you know, keep it glass half full, like, all right, you know, I can be supportive. I can learn another year by watching. And it was about to it was 12 weeks, the way it fell was right on the NCAA tournament. I'm like, all right, let's let's try and push for 11. Because 11, because the the way the Valley was working back then, our yeah, turn working Valley, Matt. Yeah, it was earlier. It was, it was always early. early. So we're like, man, we got to push this. You know, let's try 11 weeks. Let's try 11 weeks. And our trainer, of course, is like, man, I don't know. Like, I don't want to put this pressure on Ron. Like, this is his body. So we end up coming back. Oh, I think my first live practice was the Monday before the Valley tournament. And felt fine, good, good to go. And then just took off in the Valley Tournament. Played well against Missouri State the first round. We beat Illinois State in the semis and then ran into my buddy McDermott in the finals and probably played them the best we had played uh, throughout the season. And even it's crazy to say, but even losing to Creighton, I think, aided us going forward into that NCAA tournament. So you guys play Pittsburgh. And do you remember the call that kind of changed that game? The Pittsburgh game? Yeah. Pretty sure it was when I got elbowed, no? Yeah. 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 So you're guarding Lamar Patterson. Yeah. He goes, but he actually went by you. And, yeah. Just, and he like, he like chicken winged you. Grazed me right across the, the right. cheek. Yeah. And I actually went crazy calling the game just because he didn't do it on purpose. But no. the way the rule was written, like yeah. that was a, that was a flagrant. Yep. And so it gave him his third foul and they couldn't really score. And so uh, you guys made your free throws and then, you know, they just kind of, you guys just took off, just boat raced them, boat raced them. Yeah. After the, I think after the first TV timeout in the second half is when we started taking, taking our run there. Yeah. Um, and th then what was kind of fascinating was I can't remember if that was the first game. And then the Gonzaga was, was Gonzaga after you before you they after we, you? You called, you called both our games. You called the pit game. No, no, then, I know. But I'm saying, did Gonzaga play after you guys? You Gonzaga were, played after us against Southern. And we're like, yes. And it was tied with four minutes to go. I'm like, they're about to lose. <laughs> I know. And I'm, Spiro Adidas is my partner. Right. And this is my right. first NCAA tournament game. So I'm calling. And we're sitting there and there's like four minutes to go. And you know how that, that, that deal gets where all of a sudden you were the one seed, you know, yeah. the next year where all of a sudden that pressure, everybody's going crazy. And they're Southern fans. Right? Everyone in the crowd, every yes. single person. Yes. And is a Southern fan. Like, and we're, we're sitting there going, we're going to call the first 16 one upset. Holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. Like, all right, keep it together. Keep it together. Let it breathe. Keep it together. Right. And, they, and Gonzaga ends up winning the game. And, um, 
what do you remember about prepping for Gonzaga? I just remember prepping for, was it Ryan Anderson and then Olenek? Like, we felt like those two were just dominant that entire year. Those two were like, we we pretty much put our whole defensive strategy against them. Our our backcourt was pretty solid defensively that year. Obviously, Pangos was pretty talented. Um, I forget the other uh, kid that they Gary brought. Bell, but he got hurt. Yeah, he was hurt. That's right. And then other than that, like, we felt pretty confident in the backcourt. So we focused a lot on those two bigs. And, man, they were they were pretty dominant, I'd say, till like, the 12-minute mark is kind of when we made our little run in the second half, and everything was clicking, man. Like, even if we had, like, a bad possession, we'd somehow manage to, you know, get a foul or get a, you know, I'm picturing Fred, you know, isolating Stockton right there by our bench, like lost the ball, just everything clicking. Corner three by me, you know, the ball was moving. We got some good stops. What did you think of Fred at that point? I knew he was – he was here. He was definitely here. He's always been the guy, like, mentally knows the game, mentally tough. He just – he was raw that first year, especially especially defensively. I remember Coach always, you know, challenging him in practices – and that's and that's where I felt like he might have struggled a little bit his freshman year, and coming off the bench and you know backing up Armstead was huge for him because Mal had been maybe not in the NCAA tournament, but Mal, Mal had been in some big you know college games throughout his career. So he was that, old, he was old and and confident. Right, right, absolutely, nothing to lose really, you know, coming to the NCAA tournament. So I definitely think Fred learned a lot from him. But yeah, Fred was Fred was a little raw, but obviously blossomed uh, the more we got to play together. When you close your eyes and you think about the final four, what do you remember most? This might sound funny. I'm checked out of the game. Uh, my first, I got my first breather and I remember just sitting. It's like, it's kind of sitting at a table, right? You're sitting in your seat, the floor is elevated. And I remember looking like up into the crowd. Cause that was the first time I've ever played in a, you know, a football stadium. And I'm like, man, every seat in this place is full. And I, there are so, people so far away, you couldn't even see them move. And I'm thinking, why the hell would someone pay $400 to sit way the hell up there and watch a Final Four? And the second memory was that was the first Final Four in my lifetime that I never watched because I was in it. Yeah. Like, how, how special is that for, you know, a kid from where I come from? And, just that resonated that that first game that we played there. That's if you could do if you could do something different, <laughs> I knew you was going to ask that. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just asking because because again, yeah. like you are, it's you know how you watch it. Like right. you don't remember the wins. You remember some of the wins, but you remember the losses and the moments. Like oh <laughs> shit, if I would have just done this right. Yeah. The so three at the top uh, of the key for sure. Huh? The three at the top of the key in the second half for sure. For sure. Did it feel good? I don't know, man. I, I was just un, too unselfish. Dumped it down to our big, and he got fouled. It put Dang in foul trouble, but that was that could have been it right there, man. That could have been it. Carl Hall's here in town, and we go play pool on Thursday nights. He brought that up the other day. He's like, man, man, you could change one thing. I wish you would have shot that, man. 
like, yeah, trust me. I know, bud. <laughs> Shoot your eight ball. Let's get this game over. Come on. Uh, is he good at pool? Not bad. He can't, he can't get baked, but he's pretty solid. He's pretty solid. Um, he's doing good, too. He's doing good. I mean, that whole story, like, he shouldn't have been playing basketball, right? Like, dude had a heart problem. <laughs> I mean, literally, like, heart problem. And and they're like, should he be clear? Like, eh. Yeah, give, give him another year. Come on. We need him. Pretty amazing, though, right? Like, oh, the guy literally is not supposed to play basketball ever again. And somehow, he, and his mom was was the one who pushed for it, right? Yep. Mom's like, let's find a doctor who's going to clear him. Yep. Oh, that's yeah. that's how at least the story was told to me. That's pretty he was, incredible. He was uh he was bought in about getting that that last year with us. He was he was the the heart and soul of our team that year. If you say Wichita what, State, uh, everything really stemmed from you know his approach and his physicality for sure. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Is there a stronger bond with that group or the undefeated group the next year? Yeah. The undefeated group was, you know, basically we all had minutes on the, you know, the final four team. And I, I don't say this lightly. I think the, the bond was better maybe in the, the, uh, 
uh, undefeated year because I think Dekel Cotton started flourishing and he was the heart and soul of our team and really brought us in together. And plus, it's kind of weird going through a season and not being able to learn from a loss. You know, those moods and practices after loss, like, you yeah. know, a tough practice. Like, we never there's once. Always like, there's usually, usually, I remember, here, here's, this will probably help you, uh, or make, make your point even clearer. My first exhibition game in Notre Dame, we lost to some German professional team. Mm. And it, like we had filmed the next day, like seven in the morning and they had some <laughs> big centers, like seven foot. And he was, every time somebody come through the lane, he just club them. And, you know, I, John McLeod, the late John McLeod was like, Notre Dame, we're immature. Notre Dame, this is soft. Somebody hits your guard, you hit him right back, right? Next time, all right? So <laughs> what happens after you lose is everybody gets reamed in film. And then usually somebody gets, there's always a fight, right? The guys that get yelled at, they're tired of getting yelled at. They're tired of, you've been around each other a while. And there's like a, like a fight. Like I remember Oklahoma State, we lose, you lose a couple games in a row and there's a fight. Did you have any fights? I've never been on a team when there was no fight. There was no fights ever Ooh. in practice. The yeah, undefeated year, did you have any fights? Undefeated year? I can't remember. What's there to fight over? You're kicking everybody's ass. I don't, I don't, I don't recall any fights. We had a, we might've had a couple of, you know, situations of final four year because we lost like three straight, I think in Valley play, which yeah. is just a big, big no, no, especially when a couple of them are at home. So that year was a little chippy, but no, after that, it was pretty smooth sailing in our locker room. What do you remember about the Kentucky game? I swear no one could miss. If they didn't beat us on the glass, then it was game over. They just, when you play Julius Randle at the three, I mean, holy moly. And then, I mean, people weren't shooting the three, I don't think, like that as they are now, especially in the NBA. But, you know, the biggest thing I remember in that game was Julius Randle checking into the game and he was playing the three and we had Evan Wessel on him. And I look over at their bench and Cal Perry's just like, post Julius. That was the play call every time down. I'm just like, oh, God. I feel bad for you, Wessel. Hang in there, man. Yeah, they just killed us on the glass. James Young, twins, all had good games. I mean, we, you know, Fred had a decent look at the end. All you can ask for in those situations. A comic basketball game to this day, you know, grateful to be a part of. It's it's amazing because I went from like your guys' biggest supporter. And then at the time, like one of the things that I feel like I, I always have done is like, I you can't tell if I'm a fan of somebody or not a fan of somebody. And my thing on you guys being a one seed was like, you just hadn't played yeah. in the Big 12. You hadn't, well, right? So there was, right. there was no metric for it, right? right. And this is what's funny. God forbid you do your job, right? You got to, yes. you know, you got to give analysis on situations like that. And you're not going to please both sides of whatever comes out of your tweet or mouth, right? Well, I, I will tell, I will tell you there, there are many who do that job who just, everything is great. And it's yeah. the, it's the. Like the Jay Dillis's of the world. Uh, I think Jay's a little more credit. I'd say Vital. Okay. And, and generally CBS, like I was at CBS. I was like the first guy to ever like question things or whatever. <laughs> and they were like, what are you, what are you doing? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What is, what is, why are you so negative? Like, I'm not negative. I'm just being kind of honest. Not everything yeah. is the greatest ever. Right. I think the only, what was our, like our best win that year was probably at St. Louis. I, I called that game. Yeah. 
And they just dropped. They dropped some games like the A-10 that they shouldn't have, and that hurt us probably. Right, because then you start doing the, well, who did St. Louis beat thing? Where I was like, I was there. I think it was a either NFL playoff Sunday. It wasn't Super Bowl. It was because like, the Rams were in town. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was there wasn't very many people there. And it was a Saturday life. afternoon, too. It wasn't it? a Sunday. No, it was. That's why you called it because CBS calls Sunday games. Yeah. No, but it was it was a sports network game. It wasn't a CBS game. but I remember um I I I distinctly remember that game and I was like, look, I was there and it just didn't feel as though it was just it was just it's a hard metric to what would you do in the Big Twelve? What would you do in the Big Ten? Because you you have a bad night in the Big Twelve and they got a pro who beats you, right? Whereas you do it in the, in the Valley and you guys had three pros. Right. Um, so, you know, you were able to withstand any sort of bad night, but what is that like to win the Valley championship and you have zero losses, like the perfect season? What is, and you know, in high school, you even lost one game, right? People do it in high school, not mm-hmm. in college. What was that like? I thought it was pretty, pretty special, obviously. I mean, I think the last team to do it was what Greg Anthony with the UNLV yeah. team, and what Bob Knight's team with uh, Keith's miracle shot. Yeah, no, that wasn't uh, Greg, An- that Greg was- Anthony. They lost to Duke in the semifinals. Okay. Well, they and, went undefeated uh, in the regular season, though. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So. I mean, and uh, St. Joe's went undefeated in the regular season, lost in the A10 tournament. That was with Delonte West West. and Jameer Nelson Nelson. and and those guys. Yeah. So, but you guys being able to be, you know, every time you hit 27, 27 and no, like, you know, having a theme for this one and then 28 and no, and then getting compared to St. Joe's, getting compared to UNLV, like that's, that's pretty cool, man. Like, those are, you know, historic seasons by some great players and teams. So you lose. Okay. But you've been to a final four. You've had an undefeated regular and conference tournament season. And then you're like, I, did I go pro? Did I, what was the, what was the, th- what was the decision? like? I didn't put a whole lot of decision into it. I probably should have maybe put a little more decision into it in my sophomore year. Cause statistically wise, I think my sophomore and junior year were two of my better years. Uh, we did the whole NBA eval situation. They didn't have the thing where you could, you know, test whatever, test the waters, so to so to say, until my – I don't even think they had that my junior season. So I really didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. Um, you know, we knew Klee was, you know, probably going to get drafted. I didn't really know how the agent situation was. Like, I didn't even know how that process even became – probable like I didn't even know what the steps were to you know hiring an agent so I was pretty raw on that in that aspect but maybe maybe should have done a little more homework prior but kid coming from Scott City I don't really have plans to be an NBA player once I got to Wichita so wasn't too studied up on the situation so what was Marshall really like your experience my experience just obviously you've been through it and this is why I wanted to get on this, you know, platform with you and talk about this because you've obviously played college sports, college basketball, like just super intense, right? Like has his ways of coaching basketball and he has his system in play. He wants, he wants you to buy in to his system. 
keep the game sense, you know, simple, play defense, rebound. Like he's pretty simple concepts. Obviously, we can get into the whole, you know, situation that happened. Like the big thing right now is like we're the snowflake era. Like we can't handle, you know, being yelled hard at. coaching. Well, yeah, we can't handle hard coaching. Which, I mean, everyone's different, Doug. Right? Like, you know, Fred, me, Klee, others can handle it. You know, some players can't. Simple as that. He, if you can't buy into what he wants you to do, like he's going to hang a cloud over you each day and tell you, like he's trying to hammer this into you. So, like, players are going to struggle, right? They're going to transfer. Well, last year, just so happens, not eight, nine guys leave. You know, now it's a snowball going down a hill, right? You've seen Jeff Goodman's stories, you know. Telling, you know, tell, he's diving into everyone. Like, he, he told me, I talked to him a couple weeks ago. He's like, all I did was call one guy from a transfer, right? And he leads me to another guy. Now it's just like a snowball effect. Well, you know, coach, you know, he is a hard coach. And, you know, do I respect him? Absolutely. He's been great to me and my family. That's from my, you know, my opinion. These other players that are coming out, I respect them for telling their stories. Were there days where I thought coach like crossed the line? For sure. Like that, that happens. And what they did here with like the committee and stuff. And I, this is the first time I've been coming out public, by the way, about this situation. He, uh, he had obviously made a statement. I think his first statement was like, kind of like the political correct statement obviously him, him and his people in his circle like wrote it out and like he didn't really touch base on like the Shaq Morris altercation and some of the other things that obviously were top of the headline and I was like okay cool like maybe you know maybe he's just gonna like come forward and be like you know I you know I did these things I apologize like you know Wichita loves this man like loves him so like I'm thinking like okay maybe he's gonna understand like okay Man, you know, it's a different era of kids. Like I crossed the line on a couple of things. I apologize. And, you know, I'll do whatever I got to do to, you know, stay with my team. Cause in reality, the priority is not to worry about, you know, things. The last thing him, he as a coach wants to do is worry about things he might've messed up on in the past. Priority is the kids that are on campus right now trying to prepare for this, you know, this season because the season was supposed to start tomorrow. And, you know, I'm waiting, I'm secret waiting. I'm like, all right, he's going to, you know, make a statement, make a statement, nothing. And then, you know, the Shaq Morris story, you know, makes headlines. And, you know, I was there when all this was going on. Like I'd seen him, you know, kind of do some things here and there, but the Shaq altercation, you know, it's just sad, unfortunate, obviously, you know, I was, I was in that practice. There's a bang, bang play at the rim, you know, Shaq, our one of our three men was starting at the time, Zach, uh, Zach Brown. Bang, bang play. Shaq was, you know, late to it, like a help side action, went up to the rim. Zach Brown falls down. You know, Marshall just like flips the switch, man. Like, obviously really upset. Like, you know, this is a starter. Kind of just goes in on Shaq. And I'm just sitting there like, God, man, like just super uncomfortable. And 
you could hear like a needle drop in the gym. Like just, you've been in those practices, like super uncomfortable. Like you don't even feel like playing basketball the rest of the day. Marshall kicks him out of practice and like follows him out into the concourse. So we're all like, man, just like at, you know, just shook. What the hell is going on? So late, you know, practice ends, we go down in the locker room and come to find out Shaq tells us, you know, you know, he got hit. And we're like, man, like Shaq and Marshall's relationship was never like really, you know, tight knit. And like they had some tension. And as you know, tension, you know, continues to grow, 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 grow. Well, you know, just so happened to be that day where, you know, it got to a point where it was just, you know, bad. And a couple other players in that locker room said they seen it and we're like, man, like just felt like just wrong. Like felt ugh, like kind of damn shaky. Like just didn't really know as a 21 year old how to handle this situation. We're a good basketball team. We don't, we don't want the spotlight of, you know, the prestigious Wichita state final four undefeated sweet, you know, sweet 16 resume to turn into damn coach Marshall, you know, hit a player. Like that's why Shaq, I think waited you know, all these years to now circle back on the situation. Cause like I said, their you know, their relationship was never tight knit. So for me, kind of being back in Wichita after I got back from Russia, I guess it was just like one of those situations, like talking to my parents and like, you know, these things, some of these things in the, in the uh, first report, I'm like, dad, man, some of these things like happened. He's like, well, but you are not Ron Baker as a pro without, you know, Greg Marshall and his staff. So it puts me in a situation like, wow, how do I, how do I handle this? Like, I, I don't want to go public because I don't really feel like if I went public whenever it came to light, let's say a month ago, like, what's, what's it going to do? Like I say, I say, you know, some of these things happened. Okay, now it looks like, man, Ron Baker's not loyal to Greg Marshall. his coach, you know, like the guy that, you know, made him out to what he is. But at the same time, as you know, a teammate's a teammate, man. I, I personally don't think Shaq would make this, you know, stuff up that day in the locker room. Like what, what's, I mean, what's in it for him? Like he's not going to make up something like that, at least in my eyes. And like I said, a couple other guys seen it happen, <clears throat> excuse me, seen it happen. So just a weird situation, man. It's sad, disappointing. Uh, I know coach Marshall is probably going to watch this and like, he has so much love in this city. Like for me, I think to make things right, I think he should have just, you know, bitten the bullet and said, man, you know, I really messed up. I let whatever it is get to him. Like, I love winning so much. Like, just do the right thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And just, it would have cleared the smog around this town like this. And regardless if the committee made their decision to let him go, at least the tension between, oh, these are, you know, snowflake era kids like they can't handle it i mean all that goes away or you know i mean it's obvious why none of us players in that gym that day like went public because we don't want we don't want that feeling of man like those guys are just not loyal enough to their coach type of 
Five. So really, I'll, I'll give you a, a personal, uh, it's not exactly the same, but there's some similarities there. So I'm at ESPN and Coach Sutton has a car crash. Now it's on a Friday night and they're supposed to play the next day at Texas A&M. And I have a former teammate named Alex Weber, his wife, Denise, who was one of our athletic trainers. She was like a student trainer, at, you know, when they first met, whatever. So, I mean, like we, it, it's one thing to have just like a wife you met, like, but she was there when we were there. Right. Sure. So, uh, coach gets in a car crash and I'm doing, we had like Friday night games, random Friday night games. And, um, we, we, we do a break into the game. And, uh, so I call, I, uh, Alex calls me and he's like, yeah, this is bad. He's like, you should call Denise. And I was like, is he going to die? She's like, just call Denise. So I called Denise and she's the vice at that time, vice president of the hospital. And I go, how is he? She's like, he's going to be okay. I was like, well, Alex said it was bad. She's like, it, it's terrible. I go, well, you just said he was going to be okay. Like, no, no, no it's, it's yeah. terrible. I was like, oh, was he drinking? She's like, it's really, really bad. That's all I can say. So then I call a friend of mine who my old neighbor that when I was, we had like a house, we called the palace. It was like three, four bedrooms, like one bath. We all lived together. Alex was my roommate. Our neighbor was a cop. So I called the cop and I was like, Hey man, what happened with coach Sutton? He's like, it's again, it was like, it was like, they all got like a something to read. He's like, man, it's really bad. Yeah. He's like, I go, was he drunk? He's like, it just, it's he's like, bad. I, he's like, I can't say what happened. He's like, I don't know. You know, like he hasn't been charged, whatever, but you should get the police report. So, you know, like anyway, it wasn't until that Wednesday that they had a press conference. They announced that he was drunk and he took immediate leave from the program on that Wednesday. Now I had been talking to them the whole time. And on that Wednesday, uh, I was actually in Vegas. My wife was pregnant. My brother's wife was pregnant, a sister-in-law. And I was calling the game like the next day, San Diego State UNLV. And it was his game. He was an assistant coach. So we planned this trip. Like we're going to get together. We're going to get a bunch of food and try and decide the names of our kids. And I got to go do sports center because my coach had a DUI. And, you know, I have to, I'm forced to comment on it. Six months prior to that, Bob Huggins had had a DUI. And I was like, man, you can't be a coach and have a DUI, right? Like when you're representing the school. So now I'm in this, okay, am I disloyal if I say, hey, I don't, I love Coach Sutton. I love that man. He's done amazing things for me. He's, even after this, been a, he was a remarkable mentor towards me. The things he taught me and the, the bond we have as players. And you know how, and I'm sure there's some of this too, but part of their psychology is they make it, you against them players against coaches. It's almost like a motivation. Yes. Yes. They're like, why are these guys such assholes? We hate them, but there's some kind of fucked up psychological thing where they like make you and then it's us against them. And it it makes it so that you're much closer. Right. So there are days when you're like, I hate that guy. I hate that. You hate all those coaches. And then at the end of the day, you're like, okay, I, uh, I kind of, I kind of got it. You know, I kind of get it for the next year. I was like persona non grata in Stillwater I, I, because I was disloyal. And I was like, the ultimate act of loyalty to me is saying, hey, coach is wrong here. Like, this is wrong. I love you, but you're wrong. You can't do that. You can't be the highest paid member of a faculty and be on your way to meet the team plane and, and be drunk. And, and he's, a, he's a recovering alcoholic. Like, I'm, 
I'm, I understand. I want him to get healthy, but you can't be the head coach and do those things. Yeah. Right? But you're, so you're I, being I, loyal I, and truthful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you That's can still like, I, I would, I would, I would guess like you still care for Greg Marshall. You lo- love yeah. the man. Right. Right. But Great. he was wrong. And, right. and, and, and also wrong to put you in a position where you had to not say anything at the time or even now, like it's a really hard thing because he hasn't come out and go like, Hey, you know what? I did some things. Cause I even take, I think the part you can never put your hands on a kid. That's, 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 that's a, been a rule. Obviously that's what cost Bob Knight his job in Indiana. Yeah. But the, the language stuff, you know, I, I know that it reads as remarkably insensitive, Yeah. but it's, it's a basketball team and shit is the, the rules are different. Right. right? So I don't, that stuff doesn't bother me that I, I'm, you know, and you can, and I think you can walk it bother, back. It might not bother me and you, but my right. point is it might bother someone else because we, I mean, we're not in their head. Right. Right. Like we're, we're talking, you know, psychiatric stuff, but it's a thing, man. Yes. Yeah. I mean like about getting on your horse or whatever, but there there's, and, and sometimes like you, but you can cross the line and then dial it back. Like, yo, I call a kid in, I was out of line. I apologize. I was sarc, you know, cause we're all kind of sarcastic. A lot of us are sarcastic assholes. My thing with Greg was this. I, I never saw the level of abuse or ever putting hands on a kid, mm-hmm. but at that St. Louis game, this is God's honest truth. Uh, who's the athletic director at the time? The same athletic director. Oh, uh, the St. Louis game would have been Sexton. Sexton or Boatwright were both, uh, AD and then assistant AD at the time. I think right, the assistant. Yeah. Yeah. So he was there. We're walking in the hall and he introduced himself. And I was like, oh, good to meet Greg's boss. He's like, we all work for Greg. Right. And, <laughs> and, and there's just a way like, look, Greg Marshall, when he was at Winthrop, I covered their games and he went to seven NCAA tournaments. Right. And right. He used to, him and his wife were lovely. And they used to hang out with me at final fours and like, Basically, he couldn't get a job because he, he took the College of Charleston job and changed his mind. He just he couldn't get the bigger job. Mm-hmm. And he did have some bad parts of his reputation, whatever. Um, and so I had a long relationship with them. But you could see some of the some of it brewing in that he just you, you feed a guy's ego enough mm-hmm. and you feed a guy and, and a guy like I, I, I would guess to this moment, he doesn't think he did anything wrong. That's why you didn't see an apology. Right. And that's just the part that you can, you can walk back and you can have a legit, Hey man, I was wrong. I got, I was, I was feeling myself some. And I think that would, it just sucks because I don't think it does, but to some, it may put a bit of a cloud over what was an amazing five or six years of basketball from one program. And he was very much responsible because he is a marvelous sure. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. But do you feel do you feel where I'm coming from if you yes. just like owned up? To no, not yes. be at all, but for sure the Shaq situation, because that's what... I mean, let's, you know, call a spade a spade. That's why he's not here. Like, if that story is not in the first article, right? I mean, everyone would just kind of put it on the, you know, it gets swept under the rug kind of deal. Like, he would have put out a first statement and then... Can't put your hands on a kid. No. No place for it. Simple as that. And the, the and, you know, Shaq obviously left. What what do other teams? Shaq, Shaq, no, Shaq finished his four years at Wichita. See, but now, but now it's like, so yeah, can't, can't come back, right? He lives here. He does. And like, I'm trying to get it to where like that's not an issue. Like, we shouldn't have to worry about Shaq should not have to worry about going out in public and people looking at him like, man, that's that guy that called Jeff Goodman, like. He shouldn't have to worry about that, right? No. That's terrible. No. That that's a that's like a societal issue, right? Like we we use these terms. If you're the person who saw something or something was done, we call you a rat, a fink, a snitch, right? Like, hey, I wasn't the one who did the thing that was wrong. Right. I, I was the one who did the thing wrong too. And I actually didn't say anything for years so that my team could could live out you know their dreams and their their team was arguably just as good if not better the next two years they were there you don't you don't want to come forward then and ruin the vibe or the morale of what you got going does that make sense right yes yes i, t- I totally understand it is a, there's a guilt to it right because because you do i think they think i don't know what people think of 
college kids, you know, where they don't have the wherewithal. Whereas most of the, most of the guys that I played are pretty smart, pretty understanding. They know, Hey, let me just get through this mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and, and use it to benefit me post-career. Right. Um, I do think like there is plenty of time for things to like make men's. Cause like this, they're like, we already seen like Wichita community already come to like a pact, let's say, and, you know, support coach. Like, you know, he's done successful things. I spoke with Tom Devlin. I spoke with Jeff Johnson out at Flint Hills here in town, big, you know, big supporters of, you know, Wichita state and coach. And they're like, man, Ron, we, we really support this man. Like think of what he's done these past 14 years. It's remarkable. I'm like, you know, I totally, I totally agree with you. I'm in agreeing. I'm in agreement with you, but guys, like what he did that day, like, I mean, it's not right, you know? Right. right. And it makes it more not right to not offer any sort of apology or, or olive branch or ability to discuss. I mean, honestly, I, I kind of feel like you and Fred are the only guys that can, Right. And that's why we're, I mean, this is why we're doing this right now. I mean, I hope it gives some clarity, you know, to the city, those people that are supporting Marshall, they have every right to, and I, I totally get where they're coming from, but I want those supporters to come together and understand why Shaq did what he did. And now we can, you know, turn the page. The committee made their decision. Coach resigned. He did his thing. I really think him coming forward would bring all this tighten it or like it used to be around these parts. And we would just, you know, move on together, move on together. Yes. Right. Yes. Instead of kind of being this thing where, you know, I said, Cause I will tell you that, that now here, now here's the hard part. Okay. So I have a really good relationship with Mike Boynton. I think he's a very good man. And uh, Scott Sutton's on the staff and there's a lot of orange on that staff. But when your coach leaves and a new regime takes over, it's never the same to go back. It just isn't. Because talking as far as going. When you have kids and you come back and it's Ron Baker Day and they put your number up there in the rafters or whatever, like it just it sucks because like the I'm I'm forever envious of the Michigan State guys, the Duke guys. Um the Kansas guys, the Kansas guys, because Bill's been there long enough now, but I think, and, and Bill did a great job because he's a, he actually hired Barry Hinson to kind of help with it. But when the, the, I think the best part of the whole thing is when you go back and people not just remember, but the coach calls you in front of the team, like, Hey man, this guy was a hell of a player. Let me tell you, I recruited him. He did this, he did this, he did this. He won this game for us. Like it's like, that's, that's all you really require when you're a player is just like, Hey man, just remember some of the shit I did and, how hard I worked and how much I, I bought into the program. And that's a really hard one when your coach is gone and when they clean the regime out, you know, which inevitably to this point hasn't happened, but at some point it, it probably will. It's interesting because Jans, who I like, and I know he recruited you, like right. you, he had his deal at, at Bowling Green. And right. after you guys beat Gonzaga, you know, he had his spit cup and he was gone, right? Just, we were all just gone. Like it was and I was, I was like, man, that guy, that, that drink went down a little too quick. <laughs> right. But he's a, he's a, he's a hell of a dude and a, and a, 
right? And a really good coach. Right. And that, and obviously he's bounced back with the New Mexico state deal, which is great. Um, but it's, it's fascinating to me because like, I think sometimes we get caught up in a, look, I did stupid shit at Notre Dame, right? Like that's a, we have bad moments. We do bad things, but it's the, it's the golf analogy. It's still under par for my life. Right. And I think Greg Marshall could still be very much under par, like really, really under par. If you would just come out and go like, Hey man, that was a, that was a triple bogey. That was, I'm embarrassed by it. I shouldn't have done it. I feel really bad. And, you know, uh, one of the, so they were doing their investigation right on campus and I wasn't even going to get involved. I was walking the fence line, trying to be supportive. And then coach comes out with a second statement saying, I've never struck a player, put hands on a coach, like word for word. I'm just like, what is going on right now? Like, this isn't even making sense. Doug, I'm telling you, we had two rules when we were here. We had no curfews. We had nothing. Like, we had two rules. The first day you walk on campus, you get a sheet, and the two words on there is, or not two words, but the words on there say, don't lie to me and don't steal from me. That was it. So I'm thinking, like, man, my freshman year that he said those things, and now he's coming out with this? Like, it just, it was bad. It was, like, disappointing and just, like, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And then that's when I, I got involved on, like, I never went public, never said anything. I talked to uh, one of the lawyers that was doing the investigation and I was truthful. And I told my story of that day and that's how I went about it. I didn't, I didn't feel like it was right for him to try and turn the narrative on my teammate. Like that really, really hurt me. That was tough. Is there any chance that Shaq isn't telling the truth? There was other other guys in the gym that day that seen it. It's bad. It's a bad deal. And have you he, talked like, to Coach? Have, have you talked to him? Have you talked to Greg? No. Uh, I think the last time I talked to him was man, it was during the summer, probably July or August. And I think once the investigation started, he wasn't legally allowed to reach out to anybody that was involved or potentially going to get questioned in the investigation. All right. I want I, I do. I, I want to get to a couple things here real quick. All right. Let's knock them out. What was it like to play in the NBA? Everything I ever imagined times or everything I've ever imagined and more like just surreal. Your first game at Madison square garden. Do you remember who was against? Uh, it was uh, either – it was – I want to say Boston maybe. Boston or D.C. because it was, you know, the you play those Northeast uh, teams in exhibition. I actually started the second half. Had a pretty good preseason. I think that's kind of why I made the team. But, yeah, just surreal. And not to mention, man, think of my teammates. Joe King Noah, all-NBA player. Derrick Rose, youngest MVP. Brandon Jennings, 54-point performance in Milwaukee. Carmelo Anthony, Hall of Famer. Like, the list goes on. Like, just surreal. Like, looking around like, holy crap. The only, the only rookie that year that might have had a better situation was Kay Felder at Cleveland. Other than that, like, that's like a dream lineup for a rookie. Like, unheard of. It was remarkable. When you made the t- – how, how, who told you you made the team? 
Phil called me or Jamie Matthews, actually uh, one of our player personnel. He called me into Phil's office and Phil goes, we're moving you from B team to A team, Ron. He made the, you know, his Zen voice. Oh, it was great. The, uh, I, I played, so I played with the Lakers for a summer league one year. And then like I was in there, a couple of their different camps or vet camps, vet uh, free agent camps. And he would always call me Godfrey, Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> Godfrey, G- Godfrey, get in there. God, Godfrey. He knows what we're doing. You know, <laughs> what was, what was Melo like? He was cool, man. He was, he takes a lot of heat because he's just, you know, easy target for, the media when you're the you know the best player on the Knicks like obviously the media is going to grab at you but you know he he did the little things for me as a vet took me out on my birthday in Miami like things of that sort wasn't hard on me as a rook I didn't have to do all the crazy things you know guys probably had to do when you were a rookie but he was cool D Rose was probably one of the most you know influential guys for me because he was he was a guy that I could relate to because, you know, he's not real vocal. He's more of the guy that, you know, leads by example and, you know, lives by his morals. Like I really, really enjoyed being in the same locker room as him. Craziest shit you saw. Let's do on the basketball floor in the NBA. Like uh, I, I, this is such a different level than anything I've ever seen. My second, second season. uh, We're, Pass getting closer past the all-star break and Milwaukee comes to town and I'd never played against Giannis before. Like knew what he was about. Uh, my rookie year, we played at their place, uh, but I just played the fourth quarter. Didn't really have a ton of minutes against him, but uh, him and Chris Middleton get a two on one fast break. This probably, it's definitely third quarter. And I mean, I know the alley oops coming, right? Like I'm sitting on the bench. I know the alley oops coming. It's two on one. And Tim Hardaway is the last guy back. And I kid you not, like he knows the alley oops coming too. He kind of slides to the left and shades Giannis. Milton's coming. Milton throws it. I'm like, what the hell is he thinking? Like he had a layup. Giannis jumps over. Over. Like, I'm talking not, like, between the legs, like, literally over Tim Hardaway and dunks it. And I just I just sit there, and I'm like, this is, like, something you've seen in, like, a movie. Like, this yeah. can't be Like, real. fake. It was severely fake. Same game, post up in the mid-post, and I think you tweeted at me. He post up in the mid-post and caught the ball and was just like, taking his time, taking his time, and then hit a step back on Lance Thomas in the, to end the game. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this guy was different. And, like, we never – we would play, like, LeBron and those guys in the regular season, and, like, they would never give, him, give us our best. And we never made it to the playoffs, so we didn't really know that, that type of caliber of competitiveness. My last story that when I knew I was in the NBA – was my second year opening game. We're playing at Cleveland. They just dropped the banner. Michael Beasley and I are sitting on the bench, and he has a relationship with Braun from Miami. Well, we're up like 20, 20, 25 in the third quarter, and Beasley is standing up on the court just letting Braun have it, just letting him have it. 
<laughs> they shoot the first, we shoot the first free throw. LeBron grabs the ball, gives it to the ref, and he starts walking toward our, towards our bench. He goes, Bees, shut the F up. You know we're just scrimmaging for June. And then turns around and walks back. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I made it. This is real. Okay, so you you played in with Francesca. I played in Russia too, so that it's uh, I'm 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 intrigued by a, a couple of Russia. Um, what when you landed? Yeah, what do you remember? Uh, just kind of dark, cloudy, muggy, and obviously the airport's not in the best part of town, and it was like an hour to get to the city. Like it's just a cultural difference. Like their vehicles are different. Yeah. You know, the highways are different. Huichichai? Huichichai? Like they ever, they want you. <laughs> Huichichai? I don't, I don't want, I don't want tea. I just. <laughs> yeah. Just ice water, bottled yeah. water. Yeah. Just different. I, my first game we played, I played, uh, we actually won the league uh, when I was there. And I played for a team. It's now, I think, second division. You're all great. We play on the road in St. Petersburg and the, my two most vivid memories, uh, actually three, one, we went out to eat and I didn't know there was no Americans, uh, other Americans on the team at the time. And I was just following these guys around and they ordered food for me and it was gross. And I was just, <laughs> it, uh, and I like to, to have all this whole world going on and you not uh, know anything that's going on, what they're yeah. saying is a right. really weird experience. That was the biggest thing was a language barrier. hundred percent. And then, and then all- that night, so then we're playing and it was like the first game and, and I'd only practiced for like a week, a week and a half. And the coach, Sergey Belov, who played in the 72 team, he turns, he goes, duck. And I was like, I thought that was me. I hopped up to like go in the game or whatever. The like scoring table and some guy like grabs me, like horse collar tackles me. He's like, that's not, no, no, seat. You know, I was like, wasn't me. And then after the game, I played, I played pretty good. After the game, some dude comes in, he's like smoking a cigarette. He goes, Sneak, sneak. I was like, mm, ice. I need ice. My knees. I need ice. Sneak. <laughs> ice. Ice. They went outside. And again, remember, this is 2001. Okay. This is so I'm sure now they have perfect ice machines and whatever and stem and all that other shit. But they, they went outside. They actually scooped up snow, put it in a plastic bag or put it in like a bag, like a trash bag. And then you had like two trash bags of just real snow. And that was your ice. Oh yeah. I was like, I also remember I landed in Moscow at the big airport. I think Sheremetev is the name. Yep. And this is before cell phones or there were cell phones, but I didn't have one or it didn't work or something. And I had to transfer to another airport. And um, I'm like, how am I going to find this guy? And there was like Russian writing and a basketball. And I was like, that's me. <laughs> that was it. And I, I got in a car and I just remember being in this car driving through Red Square, thinking to myself, if he kills me and pushes me out the side, who's going to know? This is it. This is it. See, I was with Cheske, so we were taken care of pretty pretty good as far yeah. as like a pro player should be treated. The cultural difference mainly for me was just the language. Like I couldn't go anywhere and like be myself. Couldn't show emotion. You couldn't relate to anybody. Like that was tough for me, and because basketball lasts what three hours a day, yeah, from eight to eleven, and then then what? You know, you hop in with your driver who is somewhat bilingual, really nice guy, but I mean, 
is your your best friend going to be your driver? Like when you leave no. the, the that's court? what mine was. We got we actually got a, a Russian tutor, so I could speak a little Russian. Okay. And then yeah, then he was your driver, and I would hang and out with Oleg. Driver, Oleg was my driver. My driver took me to the mall. We got bedding. We did all that stuff together because you know no one else spoke English or spoke Russian in my in my situation. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. So what now? I had hip surgery uh, 10 weeks ago, just from wear and tear or from playing high school football, whatever, whatever the cause may be deciding like it's time to probably hang them up started networking here in wichita getting my name out there got a couple things that i'm interested in would love to you know just keep all doors open and kind of see where the wind blows me i'd love to keep you know relevance in you know college or nba sports whatever that or nba basketball whatever that job line could be down the road we'll just have to see Ever thought about baseball? <laughs> baseball, calling, calling, calling some games with old Joe Buck. No, playing. Playing baseball? Yeah. They're, they cut like 3,000 players. Last there's, no minor, there's no minor leagues. That's not, that's <laughs> yeah. There's like no minor like, leagues. And then now all the European teams, basketball teams, already yeah. have a season, and these dudes are waiting around for the draft. It is all screwed up. 
It is nuts. Just the timetable of sports right now is bizarre. But, you know, everyone's getting affected, so I can't complain personally. If so. you'd never play another basketball game, would that be okay with you? Yeah, I'm happy. Three surgeries, man, in four years as a pro. Like, that's tough. That's tough on the body. I don't want to be your age and having to gimp around and not be able to. You want to look as good as me. That's really what you want. Just better hair. That's what you want. Look as good as me. I mean, you have incredible hair. But now you've cut your hair, right? That was like your signature. You used to do do that terrible flat look. Then Then you did the fro. And now, you know, now you're kind of, you got a little Justin Bieber, yeah. uh, very tight. Was that like a one on the, the side? I'm going for the David Beckham now. David Beckham. Yeah, yeah. Just not as good at, as him at his sport as I was in my sport. But. Um, if if you, 20 years from now, you got a, you got family, you got kids. What do you want? Uh, what's the, what's the moment? What's the, what's the moment of Ron Baker's career that you're most proud of? Probably just realizing where I came from and where I grew up. And I really think seeing my jersey come down in the rafters will probably be one of the most, like, surreal moments. It goes up in the rafters, by the way. It doesn't come down. What's that? It goes up in the rafters. You don't bring it down in the rafters. You go up. Down, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Unfurl? Yes. I like that. That's a good point. Fair point. We're, we're, we'll meet in the middle there. I get it. Yeah. But, yeah, just because – you know, you can put your whole de- college career into one, and it'll be up in that, you know, the rafters. That's probably going to be the the defining moment that I'll look back on the most. Not the I didn't take a three in the final four, open and top the key. Instead, I was unselfish. I threw the ball inside, and we got into foul trouble. Yeah, we got into foul trouble. Hi, low, yeah. coach. Hi, low. That one, yeah, that one's. I already deleted that one from the memory bank. Sorry, I brought I brought it out of the trash. You hadn't emptied the trash. I, no. I, I. I, I brought I brought it out. Um all right, uh last last thing. Um if if somebody's in a small town, right? Like it, yes. it, if somebody's in a small town and they have these dreams and aspirations. Now, look, none of them have you come from a really athletic family, none of them have your athletic build, but what do you say to the kid who is in small town USA that feels, hey, I'm not on the AU circuit, I'm not playing with the big enough teams. How how would you go about making it? what's what's the what's the secret to making it? My my from pers- my personal experience, my biggest thing was picking role models. For me, was my dad was a high school basketball coach, and we had a good player that I looked up to. Uh, Clint Johnson was his name. Like I always wanted to be like Clint growing up. Wanted to play basketball, be like Clint. Then I got a little older, like close to middle school, and I started watching Kirk Heinrich. It's so, like you see role models, you want to idolize them. And then you start, you know, working, trying to be like them, imitate them, study them. Like that was the biggest thing for me growing up. Cause like, obviously you said you, you gain the competitiveness maybe from your dad or you gain the skills from your mom. But like, once you look up to someone, I think that's where you can start really, you know, idolizing, they say your game after somebody. And when you start tasting success and seeing it, seeing yourself do it, then that's when I really took off, I think. So like study role models, obviously do the easy, like the easy things, attitude, effort, like you can control those things, use those, 
use those daily. Just work hard, man. Like you can't control maybe. How do you not lose your confidence? I mean, that's, that's here, right? Like, how do you not like, how, like you, if you're from a small town, like you don't got anything to lose. Right. I mean, you got to use, you know, your upbringing and the, the little things you learn, you know, from your peers. And I'm, I'm serious about that role model thing. That, that was so huge for me because we had like four kids in my first grade class growing up. Like I didn't, you know, have, you know, a friend to go play one-on-one with. I didn't have, you know, guys to, you know, make it even a five on like five players to go travel. Right. So that role model thing was huge for me. Just picking a guy out, wanting to be like them, pursuing it, just keep going. That's, that's the advice I can say that really, really propelled me to get where I was. When you see the money that Fred signed for, <laughs> what do you think? Whew, man, that's a lot of zeros. But as you know, you gotta gotta be happy for stories like that, man. Because you know, Rockford, Illinois, to to Wichita, then to Toronto, and you know, being a face of you know, you're about to be the face of a franchise. Like that's a that's a real story and. He gives a platform to, you know, young kids to idolize. Like, it's like the perfect, the perfect dream story. Has he changed at all since when you first met him? No, he wouldn't. Like when you text him, he didn't go, who dis? Who dis? Yeah. Sorry, I've got a new phone. Your phone. <laughs> no, Fred's always going to be Fred, man. Humble, hungry. He, he don't even care about them 85 mil. He, he, he wants to win and he'll be. He'll be working for that next that next deal in five years. I guarantee it. Well, look, uh, I can't tell you how uh, appreciative I am of your time, but more than anything, your honesty, especially considering everything that's going on where you are right yeah. now. And and I mean this. One of my things is I'm we're friends. We're friends. So when right. I can help you, obviously you got a good feel for what you want to do. But yeah. let's stay in touch, and we'll, we'll you know next chat. We'll we'll do another one in the next chapter. Love it. Bye, right, brother. Have a good day. Appreciate it, man. See you guys. Yeah. Okay. Um, didn't know that's where he was going to go. And it's one of these things where you can be reasonable about your coach and respect what he's done for you and know he's made mistakes and just hope that wish that he would admit to said, said mistakes, but he hasn't. And it clearly really bothers Ron Baker. Anyway, I, I cannot speak highly enough for Ron Baker, the human being, the leader of a program that he no longer plays for, but he definitely represents and represents it quite well. Uh, by the way, if you love interviews like this, uh, my show's a little different on radio. It's 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific, Fox Sports Radio, foxsportsradio.com, the iHeartRadio app. It's called the Doug Gottlieb Show. In the meantime, send me your thoughts. Tweet this out. Send it to a friend. This is what really happened at Wichita State. That is what really happened with Ron Baker, how he came to be an NBA player and what it was really like for him to play there. Hope you enjoyed it. I sure did. I'm Doug Gottlieb and this is All Ball.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.